Hello and welcome to the Tabletop Gaming Magazine podcast. I'm Chris Eggett, the editor of the magazine, and today I'm joined by Matthew Vernal, a contributor and regular columnist in the magazine. I am indeed. Hello there. Hi. How are we all doing? I think we're, I think we're all good. That's we're perfect. Good. Given uh, it's just the two of us. Given it's just two of us. Uh, and in my house, because we can do this now. Uh, we have is, that power. We have that. We're allowed. We're actually allowed. Are um, you are you first jab or second jab? I am. I am. I am actually first jab, but second jab coming shortly. Right, um, due, my second jab's due in August. So that's it. Lovely exactly. present to me. That's it. Um, but uh, yeah, so we're, we're we're allowed to record in person, and this is maybe the first time I've recorded a podcast in person in my house. We usually uh, uh, all, all those ones I recorded in person with Charlie are. Done in a nice studio that is um, soundproofed <laughs> and um, doesn't have a little glass in it and stuff like that. Um, but can you have beer there? You can't. No, I am having a lovely, so lovely there, little beer. There we go. I think it outweighs the negatives. Um, I can't admit to having a beer anyway there. Um, so, <laughs> <laughs> and it would have been picked up perfectly. The sound would have been picked up perfectly had I had I done that. So um, would you mind introducing yourself to no. the readers or well, listeners who maybe don't read the magazine uh, yet, maybe not subscribed. And really should be, because Tabletop Magazine is the top magazine for board gaming news and reviews. Um, so, <laughs> my name's Matthew. Um, I've been uh, writing for most of my adult life, but this has been the first time where I've had what you'd call a, st- a steady gig for in terms of the writing industry. Uh, been gaming since I was about three or four years old. Um, gone through so many different games in my time, every fad, every possibility thing. Uh, which is impressive given my budget has always been provably lacking. <laughs> uh, but it's the wonders that you'll do when you make friends, and especially when those friends have older siblings who had Magic the Gathering collections, which are now mm. just gathering dust and Dungeons and Dragons being just, oh, have you got a book? There we go. There's hours of entertainment at the low, low price of your time. Yeah. But yeah, since then I've been writing now for just over a year for the magazine, which has been great. Yeah, so uh, you, you do like a, a review every month at least. And yeah, then, a couple of reviews if I'm lucky. And uh, yeah. <laughs> sometimes that's a bit of a burden given some of the games have a bit of a heavier clock in than others. But Yeah, so Matthew suffers from the fact that um, uh, he um, lives quite nearby, mm-hmm. which means that um, often there's a game that I quite fancy the look of um, that I get in for a review that I then realise I have absolutely not got time for because I have lots of very boring admin things to do for the magazine as well. Uh, so, <laughs> Whereas I'm a boring admin in my daytime job, so at <laughs> night I can live a, as a board game vigilante and spend long hours devolving into 50-plus page rule books to try and understand dungeon <laughs> runs and other bits and pieces, but enough to keep you busy. What's the racing game I gave you? Apocalypse Road, was it? Yeah, that's the <laughs> game where there's an entire 14, like, two or three pages on just how to appropriately enter lanes... Yeah. When, it, when it's appropriate to enter lanes, when it's appropriate to follow through on traffic. <laughs> Genuinely quite good game, but <laughs> the rule book was... I've I've had rock salt dry, like less dry than yeah. that. So, um, but today we're going to talk about... Um, we're going to talk about uh, chess. Chess, yes. Sort of, anyway. In a way. I've got a little bit of everything prepared about chess. Yeah. So we, um, this is because, um, and the reason, the reason I suggested <laughs> this to you is because Charlie noticed in the magazine that you, you bring up chess quite a lot. Um, and uh, she, she would she would quite quite like a game of chess against you at some point. So I will probably lose. Uh, <laughs> this has been my hey. burden because I've, for the, for the earliest time I was getting um, train games and I was very worried that I would become the train guy 
given <laughs> given the wonderful there is a wonderful history of like the 18xx games and just the sheer quantity of really impressive but also very tricky and very minutia driven games that mm-hmm. I was very worried and then doing so I've now inadvertently become the chess guy yes <laughs> <laughs> getting to more sort of dueling based strategy based abstract yeah. based which I also enjoy yeah um, we recently had a review of Thrive yes we did Mike, which was, was one of your uh one of your must plays that you've handed out. Uh, so you've got a top five for us. Uh, yes. And also, um, maybe maybe you're just going to tell us what's good about chess. Why 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 is why, chess something? Why that, chess? What, yeah. what, why is why does chess loom um, in your reviews so much? Uh, <laughs> other oh, than now, uh, now we're going real deep yeah. into <laughs> lack of expectations there. But um, yeah, for me, it's a case of board gaming isn't a new hobby. Like for me, it's not new. It's literally been around all my life, and I've been running around board games. And for a young, young age, I was playing games against my younger brother, against my parents. Chess was the game that my dad taught me, so he'd have someone to play chess against until I went to a chess club. And now he doesn't want to play it anymore, and I understand that. It's, we'll get into that later of the the trap, the, the pitfalls of chess. Um, but no, but as board games have been around for like thousands and thousands of years, and chess is one of those ones which has also been there for that amount of time as well like we're talking about a game which literally started over about 1200 years ago now early early india where you have uh, games like ashtapada and chaturanga which then developed as they moved along um through to persia and the, the game changes and changes and changes and it eventually makes its way to medieval europe and you have chess as this weird melange of a what was once a four-player multiplayer strategy game is now this sort of two-player dueling game, which was very sort of plodding and esoteric and very planning. And then it's slowly, slowly changed. And then funnily enough, up, um, up to about 15th century, it then sort of became a unified game. Mm. We have all these different melting pots, all these different contributions across history. Like you have the Vikings playing a different game and then that uh, game becoming like Nefertafel. Mm-hmm. And yep. Uh, Which is very good, and everyone should try that because that's um, that's something that you, I have a very early memory of going to some like Saxon um, <laughs> like educational sites, like a Viking experience, a Viking experience thing as a as they give a you an school axe trip. and they tell you right kids. Well, there was, get off the boat. there was something where we were making like um, the is it wadding where you basically mud oh, wattle and mud, daub, so you mud, mud, uh, mud huts basically. Yeah. On a kind of weaved, um, certainly the most thrilling aspects of Viking lifestyle. For you. Well, I just thought it was cool. I, I, mean, I, I, I think I remember it because I remember getting told off for doing it because I was doing it before lunch. You're like, no, I've got to finish this. Like, no, no, more, like, more like more like uh, you're covered in mud before lunch. Maybe you could have done that afterwards. Um, which is a, this is a sign of my childhood that I just wandered off did, and did what I thought was interesting. But. Have they actually instructed you on Wattle and Orb, or did you just sit yourself down and start? It was like they were, we were building a wall of some <laughs> right. kind. It was quite big. Um, and I just wandered over, and there was just like, as they are at these things, a helpful person who said, do you want to go? And I'm like, yeah, yeah let's go. I do. I, I definitely want to smush that clay sort of mud stuff. Because <laughs> was I remember it being quite clay. Anyway, but, anyway, but in the gift shop... There, there was, was a- there was this game, and I remember again, basically, every, you know, because every, every other child has to go um, buy a rubber, um, like or, a Viking helmet or, or an axe. Uh, yeah, yeah, or, or something with just the thing printed on it, because I, that's what you did. Um, uh, but I sat down and I learned this game 
from the little set of rules next to it. I obviously couldn't afford it. it was, I think it was would have been like fifty quid because it was like a carved thing. Sounds about right. But um, it was a re- it was a super interesting. Like it like blew my mind. But it was it's like chess. Yeah. But but something else. But it's own variety. Of yeah. It's, it's, there's a whole load of those games that like, yeah. and they all spin off from this one game that sort of it makes its way across, and it sort of when it hits Europe, it hits with a lot of the um, the Roman Ludus games and. You have a lot of Egyptian mm. sort of movement games as well. Mm. And then chess kind of takes hold on that ideal of just a game where it, like actions have consequences as well as just having to move things as well. Mm. It just it shook people's minds. Yeah. It's it, yeah. yeah. The, these variants are um deadly interesting. Yeah. Um can I tell you why I like chess? Go ahead. It's the game. <laughs> it's the game. <laughs> it's the game. How do you mean? For English people at least. Um who don't have access to Go in the same way. Sure. You'd say, you're talking about a board game, a game on a board of any kind whatsoever, um, and you're not thinking about Monopoly because you're thinking about, like, a proper one for some reason. You would say, chess, it's yeah. the game. You know, the, it's, the, it's kind of maybe, like, people did quite well with this for quite a long time. Well, that's the thing. It literally, <laughs> literally hundreds of years. Like, we're talking again where the last major rules expansion... For if you can think of it that way, is that well, it's like the 1500s in Spain where you have chess is now, oh yeah, the queen can move a lot, the bishops can move a lot. Now we have new chess, which is yes. literally what it was called. Then Italy got down and called it, yeah, exactly. That hot, 100% hot new patch chess. Yeah. We've, we've buffed queens, we've buffed bishops, pawns got a slight buff, we've made the game faster, quicker, and then it hasn't changed since, other than yeah. like really, really small rules minutiae. But it's a game that captures. It captures imagination because chess has always been seen as a game that requires thought. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, there are so many people like Benjamin Franklin mm-hmm. um, spoke on chess and he said a like, game of chess is not merely idle amusement. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is the game that it, um, increases the valuable quantities of the mind and all the course of human life can be learned through chess, which is pretty pretentious. But at the same time, when the alternative is... I was going to say a bit much. Yeah, it's a little bit much, but then the alternative is sort of your, your trading card, well, not trading card games, but your playing card games of like poker and mm-hmm. other sort of games which are like, they're played by merchants, they're the ones that go around the world, whereas chess became a game where you had to have a set. Mm-hmm. So you, it was quite established, it was quite formal, and you, yeah. if you were someone who had the time to play chess, which a lot of middle-class, upper-class Europeans did and then brought with them to various colonies around the world, um, you could really get good at it. And you could really sort of learn about it because that's the thing that I think appeals to people most about board games and other sort of games. Like you play Monopoly, there is so much of it which is driven by random chance and limitations Mm. on the board that there's only so much strategy you can learn. Whereas light games like Go or like Shogi or other games that are like um, chess where they reward um, time and dedication to it. Mm. Like I remember playing chess and learning chess as like a younger child and then finding out when I went to secondary school, oh, there's a chess club. It's mm. like, oh, great, I'd love to play chess more. And then being taught how little I know about this game yeah, that's <laughs> that it. I thought I knew everything about. And then you, every time you think you know enough, you then learn about this whole new world of chess. And it's, it's just continues to grow and continues to be interesting, um, despite some of the issues that do exist with chess, in that it is very much, again, it's very punishing. Um, that's good. Isn't it? it can be it's good. A, it's a duel. Someone's going to lose. Someone has to lose. That's true. But um, chess oh, is. Are we sort of... about to get the review of chess? Well, maybe. 
I mean, I would definitely give it a maybe if I was reviewing it today. Like, just lo- lovely sort of borders on lovely athlete. But the, the biggest thing, I mentioned this in the review about Thrive, mm. in that um, chess is a game that really rewards the time you put into it, mm. but it rewards your time. If you then play this game with someone who hasn't played chess before mm. or is limited to chess, you will probably beat them. Yeah. And you, it, chess then becomes this game where it's, it's less about a game and it's more this constant quest to find people of your level. Because I now judge my, my entire like friend circle now is either people who won't play chess with me or people who will, but I will lose to them every time. Yeah, perfect. And that's the only way that you sort of you change and develop yeah. as, as, as a uh, chess player. I see what you mean. So, yes, because uh, obviously when you, you give me those two scenarios and I want to play the people who are going to beat me every time because... Yeah. Uh, that's a real challenge for them. They're probably thinking the same thing, and they prefer to play someone who could be there. Exactly, uh, and it just becomes this constant need for like one-upmanship and stuff. And yeah, it's it's a it's a very sort of weirdly for a two-player game. It's quite a social game as well. Yeah. Yeah. in that you can't just keep playing the same person over and over again because you will just learn them as much as you learn the game itself, yeah. and it, it it will stagnate quicker. So it's a game where community and like replayability and things like that are mm. really important to it. You see that now that a lot of um, ways that chess has changed now. Like, um, there's so many online resources for chess. So you've got like chess.com, you've got Lie Chess, which is like a free phone app and uh, computer one where you can play with friends online, mm. you can play with computers, you can play against random opponents around the world. So it's a game where um, more and more options are being made available for people to get into it and get involved with it. And again, as well, you've got um, people like um, Hikaru Nakamura. Mm. who is uh, the first person in the world to ever be signed to a professional esports team mm. for chess. And he's now a professional, so he's a Grandmaster level chessman uh, who was l- l- gunning for uh, Magnus Carlsen's uh, chess champion title. It was supposed to be scheduled last year, got delayed due to COVID. Mm. And now this year in November, him and Car- uh, Carlsen and Nakamura are going to be fighting out to try and get this. And these, these are both guys in their 30s. Magnus Carlsen became the chess champion of the world when he was 23. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's an insane game where you can, if you really want to get into it, really want to devote like, so much time and effort into it, it's a game that rewards that. But if you just like board games or if you like variety for it, chess is a game which will not <laughs> reward you for dipping in and out of it. It will punish you every time you come back if someone else hasn't been playing it or someone has been playing a lot more than you have it will have the same sort of effect. I think of it as a, like a holiday game, basically. <laughs> what sort of holidays are you going well, just, on? Just We're talking like, sort of rainy caravan. Well, not necessarily, but maybe you could, you could do it in that situation. But it seems like a game where if you're with a group of people you're not necessarily with all the time, um, uh, or you try not to be if you're younger and you know, you're having a holiday with your family. Sure. Because uh, <laughs> you're a teenager and you're trying <laughs> to stay away from people. But um, you... Uh, uh, where you you get lots of repeat plays of the same game, yeah, uh, and it's that kind of game because it's got sort of access level and also like that sense of like, you know, parents will play it with their children because yeah. um, uh, it they can beat them fairly. Well, and also <laughs> that, I mean that is important. Um, but even if they even if they don't like chess, they play with their children because they, there's a sense of it being educational in some way in that yeah. same way that you you it, talked about earlier. It is a game that does, like I say, it more than other games as well, especially because given how sort of pure is probably the wrong word refined is probably the better word in that it's yeah. been gone through so much and so much iteration over the years that it's got to the point now where every move has a consequence mm-hmm. and it's about teaching like forward planning and like mm-hmm. 
um, movement and positioning and those sorts of things where it's like you can't just rush in and hope that this move will work out for the best you have to think two or three steps ahead and the best players are the ones who think like five to ten steps ahead and can see that sort of forward planning yeah it's uh, it's the idea of um, you know the first uh, 14,000 openings of chess are solved um, if you're playing at a very high level mm-hmm. um, and it's really the, the point where you, you get a sharp intake of breath from the crowd is going to be uh, when they see the thing that's never happened, literally never happened before in chess because um, just the variations of what can happen are so fast. Yeah. You know. There's a thing as well, like even professional players, they'll start gravitating towards certain styles. Yes. And then they'll have to try yeah. and... Sorry, that's the meta. Though. Yeah, literally, literally that. They'll, like, they'll gain a reputation of being like someone who's like aggressively open certain ways or do things like... Um, Magnus Carlsen's had to change his style because he was getting a reputation of being so overly aggressive and stuff that people would start playing defensive styles against him. So now he's had to try and learn more varied mm. things so that when you start with him now, you don't necessarily know which way he's going to be turning. So yeah. It sounds it, great. It, it, I think, <laughs> if anything, we're, we're, we're selling chess really hard. Well, it's, 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 <laughs> it's a game that, in terms of accessibility, the only thing that limits you is getting someone else who's willing to learn the rules with you mm-hmm. and then a chess set. And chess sets are free now because it's online. You can get like Lichess, like I said, lichess.com free. And you can set it up and you can send requests to friends and they can play through I mean, computers or phones. Also, your, your grand probably has one in the yeah. cupboard somewhere. If you, you look know. underneath enough cupboards in your own home, a chess yeah. set will be growing. And, and let, you can just be, cultivate that. There'll be like a travel one that's like magnetic. Oh, sure. Somewhere. 100%. Um, and the other side will have backgammon on it, which we can't help you with because no one else no. Has, no one has to play backgammon. No, no one wants to play backgammon because they fear that it may lead to like, vengeful retribution from ancient spirits. <laughs> yes, yeah. yeah. Like, backgammon boards are the unknown Ouija yeah. boards. Uh, <laughs> the true Ouija boards. <laughs> the true Ouija boards. <laughs> before, before they got branded That's and it. printed in the 60s. That's it. So, Matthew, as, as our, our chess expert. Oh, God. Please um, don't tell me you've prepared a chess trivia challenge. I've, I've prepared a chess trivia challenge, oh, yes. No. Um, what's the real name of the horse? Um, <laughs> oh, God, no. I'm, I'm in a nightmare. Yeah. <laughs> okay. What's the real name for the horse? Uh, I don't know if this is a trick question or not. Do I get a, like a phone a friend option? Like, I need to know what's at stake here. Is my um, job at stake? I mean, Please tell me if my job's at stake here. Job's not at stake. Um, <laughs> now, what I've got here... Is um, so we all know and and uh, and love uh, the Russian metric Bastion line. Chris McDowell is probably a bit strong. Sorry, Chris. Um, <laughs> uh, creator of the Odd system and um, that sort of thing. He's also the creator of this list okay. of a hundred um, <laughs> hundred chess facts. No, a hundred well D one hundred chess scenarios. Okay. So what I'm gonna what I'm going to ask you is, can you give me, and you give me a number between 1 and 100, you can roll a mental D100. Okay. Um, and I will read you the chess scenario. Um, that's been, that's been right and then you tell me if you think that's a good variant to add to the, get, to add to the game. You review, okay. you review it. So. Right, so we're doing chess variants. Yeah. From one of let's, let's pick number 38 for Number starters. 38. Civilians. Pawns cannot capture or be captured. Okay. How do you feel about that one? <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Pawns can't capture all be captured, so they just fill up space for the entire game. It feels like a nightmare. I feel like I've played those chess games already <laughs> where you don't want to take the pawns, it would lead to another capture. I'm, I don't want to play that game. No, pass. <laughs> okay. Do not play that. <laughs> okay. It's, it kind of sounds like superhero chess. Like, 
You're playing... I mean, something like that, yeah. <laughs> there's a hundred different ones here, so it's like, <laughs> okay. yeah, it doesn't matter if you don't like that one. It doesn't matter. Cause <laughs> Let's go to the next one. Roll, roll another dice. Uh, 73. Okay, so we've got Gorgon. Okay. Pieces that are threatened by the queen cannot move. Kings are not affected by this. Okay. I really like that one. That's not a bad one, to be fair. That's like that's line of sight type something. And it just like it, it reinforces what's already important in the game, and like yeah. taking the queen is very important. It makes threatening it a lot more difficult, which is quite interesting. So I can see like knights becoming a lot more powerful in that sort of scenario because they're unlikely to be. In line, within, well, in line of sight because it literally yeah. couldn't be if you want to threaten them so that has potential yeah and, you, and it would make a game where you might want to you, you'd have to think about maybe moving a piece to free up a piece for a later turn because it would then be out of line of sight of the queen and not just in the usual way of obviously the queen being able to take that piece but also just like because yeah, I think you'd start using the queen as like a a weird like sentinel thing that doesn't actually get that involved and hangs kind of back it just keeps blocking things but keeps keeps, yeah, freezing keeps things parts of the board. so I think that's a really good one no I think I would play that that yeah. sounds interesting we'll give that a yes it's, are we doing a rate the, like, the, the tabletop magazine rating schedule of like must play <laughs> it sounds yes. like we are doesn't it yeah uh, perfect let's call that a yes <laughs> um, cool let's have another one okay uh, your turn to pick a number now Oh, okay. We'll we'll do. Uh, so I'm looking at the list. That's quite. Well, don't look look at me. Um, you're in you're in person now. Think okay. of a number. Um, two. F- two. <laughs> I was to say, what's your favourite two digit number? Two. <laughs> Archbishops. Okay. Uh, bishops can also move like kings. So you have an option of how they move. So isn't that good? Isn't that good? So fun, fun chess facts because I remember this is before the Spanish patch in the 1500s. Bishops could only move. Two spaces diagonally. Oh, interesting. And to do that, they had to jump over yeah. the first square and then they would land on the next square. So the way like chessboards are normally set up, the idea mm-hmm. is that both bishops and knights could have moved immediately. Mm-hmm. But then bishops became really boring, so they made them more powerful. So yeah. like the idea of further increasing the power of a bishop, I feel like that's just going to lead to confusion, though. It's not as interesting as much as... like The Queen mm-hmm. Sentinel one changes the dynamics of the game a lot, whereas bishops is just... Oh, I'm going to move my bishop here. Okay, well, I think I'm safe. Oh, wait, no, I'm not, because that new bishop rule. That yeah. that feels to me like a, one that's going to be... But it's... it's so, hold on. Can also, also the, move like a king. Also, so the idea they, of having, they, like, both your bishops on, like, black squares or white squares and just being, like, completely blocking yourself, blocking your own movement. I think I feel like you're just going to lead to your own downfall. Yeah, it would be, yeah, it would be very messy like that, but I, I think that's why I quite like it. Cause it cause, but I like the also, so it suggests to me that you, you either move in a normal bishop way or you move like a king. Yeah. So it's not like they've got a better range of movement suddenly. Well, it's, there would just be a queen if there was... Yeah, I guess, yeah. I guess. Yeah, but it's just the idea of this bishop, like, hopping over to the, <laughs> to the, the, the opposite colour. You can't yeah. hurt me. Yes, I can. Yes, yeah, so, um I'll get that, that a maybe. Yeah, I think it's okay. Um, I think it's... Uh, I don't want to play because I think I would immediately lose the game because I would think I'm safe from a bishop and then the bishop will yeah. take me and then I'll just be like, oh. But the bishop to take you like that would have to... You'd still see where they are, I guess. I think, again, you're over mm. you're overestimating my capacity <laughs> at chess. <laughs> right, let's have another one. Uh, um, let's do 44, which go. is Arthur. Remove both kings from the board. <laughs> when a player has one pawn remaining, replace it with their king. <laughs> oh, God. So it's a bit like a war of attrition after that's, that point. <laughs> that's insane. 
You have to kill I, I, all I, the co- commoners to find the one true king. <laughs> find the one true citizen and murder through the entire, the exact opposite of citizen. Just destroy the the peasant folk. So does that mean as well, like you could promote a bishop, uh, red pawn to a queen, and suddenly the other one becomes king? I guess so that's, that's how it would work, yeah. Because you just remove And that's actually, can I just say, as a theme, a narrative element to the game, <laughs> suddenly, once the queen's on, on the board, yeah. the queen returns, the, the king appears. appears. <laughs> just, I think that's actually quite thematic and good. That could be interesting. <laughs> I would give that one a play. Now, that one sounds like a yes. That one sounds like a different try. It reminds me, there's another one called the Stealth Bomber Chess, which is one I do want to play, Yeah. Uh, where you nominate one piece which will explode... Mm-hmm. So whenever it takes or is taken, it then destroys everything in a one square radius. Right, good. <laughs> and you note at the beginning what your like stealth bomber piece is. <laughs> so it's like, I'm going to move this pawn closer to you. Is it the one? You don't know. You that there might be something almost exactly like that in here. Let's try number 86. 86. Etiquette. Etiquette. Queens cannot be taken but must end their move on a square of their own colour. <laughs> that makes them bishops. Well... That just makes them bishops. I suppose it does, yeah. According etiquette, it makes it funny. <laughs> just invincible queen bishops. No, uh, that one's a pass, I'm afraid. Sorry. Uh, well, it's that, a fascinating list, though. Yeah, 91 here. Last one, last one. 91. Uh, diplomatic immunity. <laughs> Pieces in the same file as their king cannot be captured. I assume a file is like a row or a so length. So file is what you call like your columns. That's not your okay, letters. Yeah. And rank, because it goes from military terminology. Okay. So yeah. ranks are like the horizontal lines then yeah, okay. files and that. So I quite like that one. So that means the, the first pawn is just some beatable bodyguard. <laughs> Basically. It just makes... Oh, God. So there just, they're just becomes a, a line of invincibility. Yeah. Because... <laughs> But the, the, think, think of the check, check possibilities from that though. As well, well, what possibilities? Well, I suppose if it's just because you, you you could make a piece, one of your pieces, in a very dangerous position, in, uh, immune from being taken, <laughs> and and also put um, their king in check or check check mate possibly um, because of, and because it gives an extra layer there of protection from your. You just can't take them, yeah. Um, because that pe- those pieces in that in that um, fine. I definitely feel like we'll need to quicker games. There was um, <laughs> lead quicker games because you, you get to halfway uh, through and you think this is stupid. <laughs> <Stop>. <laughs> I'm trying to remember now. There, there was a, um, a chess move opening, um, which my friend is going to not forgive me for forgetting. Um, I'm just going to search a very weird thing onto Google. Uh, the bong cloud attack. There we go. Also known as the bong cloud opening, where you go e4, e5, and then you move the king forward. Yes. Okay. And then it can be followed up with a double bong cloud attack, where you both move your kings forward, and it becomes a game of moving yeah. the king around the board. Where in that scenario, I feel like that is actually a, a, like a legitimate strategy. Yeah, exactly. Because suddenly now my queen's invincible. Suddenly my bishops can't be yeah. destroyed. I think that's great. <laughs> I feel like that could be interesting. Yeah. yeah. So that's that's. Um, I definitely now want to play chess with a D100 next to me and just be like, and now the game is this, and yeah. make my friends hate me. I think I think it's worth a go, and I think um, if if this podcast does anything and it gets people like um, into playing chess like games and variants, um, I think we've done something good. You know. I feel like you should. There, there is. 
enough sort of variety in the pieces so that you can make lots of games with chess as well. A lot of people mm. have done as well. There's so many various mm. chess methods online. I definitely recommend looking into them. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I feel like this would make me lose friends at the same time. They <laughs> probably weren't worth keeping because yeah. if you're not willing to sit down with me and play a, a game of etiquette chess, <laughs> then are you really my friend? That's it. Yeah. That's a call out to everyone out there listening. This podcast is a subtweet. Um, <laughs> uh, so, shall we do, um, should we kick off your top, your top five? I, I, say, well, I, I say top five, your five. Yeah, my five, I think is probably the fair way to say it. So, this is my five chess alternatives. Yeah. And that's not to say that chess is a bad game. I don't think chess is. I feel like chess is a game where you can have a lot of fun to it if you're willing to commit the time in or if you've got someone else who already has committed time into it. Yeah. Uh, but if you're looking to just bring a game off the shelf as someone who loves chess but you want people to play board games with you, mm. uh, these five games here, they offer um, either aspects of chess which I feel more games should explore mm-hmm. or games to look at or um, just other ways of like viewing an abstract strategy game that mm. really make them quite enthralling, quite interesting. So I'm going to start with what I think is the oldest one on this list, which is Hive. Oh, yeah. Okay. So, which is a bit of a classic self. That's uh, John um, Yanni. I do apologize if I pronounced your surname wrong there. Um, this is, um, is it Exit 32? Yes, it is an sorry. abstract um, strategy game. Uh, Gen, Gen 42, sorry. Gen 42. Yeah. Oh, whoops. Gen 42. Um, it's an abstract strategy game where you're trying to capture the opponent's um, B. Mm-hmm. And you do this by uh, laying tiles out, and you usually start with just um, one tile, one insect each. Uh, I believe the base game has five different insects each, which move differently. Some of them like crawl on top, some of them move with a certain number, and you've got a limited quantity of them in your reserve. And each turn, you're either laying a new insect into the hive, which becomes this constantly ever-growing uh, like amalgamation of different pieces on different sides, because you never break the hive into two pieces. So mm-hmm. always constantly adding new pieces to it or changing uh, what pieces are available. And it's a game which takes like aspects of chess and shakes it up like a cocktail mm-hmm. shaking and gives the game a whole new release on life. Mm-hmm. Uh, you still have the same idea of like learning different strategies and different ways to um, like use your certain pieces or try to move a, or outmaneuver your opponent. Um, but there's enough variety to it and sort of bizarreness to it that uh, it doesn't immediately throw people off the same way that chess does. Like it's very much easier to learn, but um, in a way, sort of harder to master until you sort of really, really, really get into it. At which point, you've probably got other games to play as well. But for me, in terms of like a game that revitalised the abstract strategy genre, Hive is one of those ones I would highly mm. recommend looking into, um, especially if you're someone who wants to scratch that chess itch, but. Um, struggles to get it out it's probably the most chess-like games of the ones I've got on this list yeah. apart I, from the last one so I, I think that it um, is the last one chess we'll come to that we'll come to that <laughs> <laughs> um, um, so I think what chess gives me mm-hmm. one of the things I like about it a lot and something I like about you know abstract games generally uh, especially abstract two-player games and things like Undaunted mm-hmm. games like that is the sense of not necessarily a duel because a duel sounds like it's going to end very quickly with one person slipping up sure um, which may, maybe maybe chess is a bit like that but I think often you, you're playing these games and it actually feels like gra- grappling with someone like pushing you know, you're 
applying pressure in one area and they're applying pressure in another area and you're trying to hold off that while applying pressure here and then you yeah. you choose where to move around so it gives you a sort of more um uh, is it reactionary in a sense like it's reactionary it's sort of like flowing reactionary and sort of um yeah as you see, yeah sort of something something where you're kind of trying to take what they're giving you and kind of give it back to them harder in a way. Yeah, it's, it's, like, it's, it's, it's finding a, a way to complement their strategy by coming up with a rebuttal that works into that. And that also comes yeah. nicely into my next game on my list. Oh, yes. Which is if you're like that sort of push and pull gameplay, mm. a game where you're forced to react to one another, um, it's a card game called Star Realms. Oh, Star Realms. Yes. Which, again, another game that's been out for a little while now, uh, designed by Rob Doherty and Darwin Castle. And published by White Wizard. Yes, um, it is a card game that lives in my go-to travel bag because it's it's that and Love Letter, which become my go-to travel games just because yeah. they're so simple to set up, so simple to get going, and the play space that Star Realms offers is a game where um, you're each uh, like battling one another as like armadas of ships. So it's a very light deck builder mm. game, um, but the interesting element that there are four um, factions, and each faction has its own sort of means of playing. Mm-hmm. And uh, they're designed so that some of them complement each other. Others uh, are better to counteract each other. So it's like the Blob Empire is all about high damage and high aggression. Mm. Uh, whilst the Space Federation is a game that allows you to like, it gives you advantage, either health advantage or card advantage. Mm. And finding that right mix and responding to an opponent, knowing what's in their deck, because obviously all cards are drafted face up. So you know what they've picked, you know what sort of synergies they're going for. And you can then respond in kind by trying to go against that or trying to build your other way around that. So it's very much a game where you can play it so many times. And you'll see the sort of same sort of ships and similar strategies, but there's enough mm-hmm. variety in it that you can really shake things up, uh, even without having to add the expansion stuff into it, which is another game where there are yeah. 50 billion expansions to it. But I've not had a bad one yet. I've only not bought many of them, but mm. it's a game which I constantly see more enjoyment with, as well as uh, their hero variant as well, which... Name it eludes me at this very moment. I mean, it's um, I've got it upstairs. I was about to say this is the one. This is the one I've played the most of. Um, because I've not actually played Star Realms. I've only I've only played Fantasy Realms or Hero Realms or something like that. Um, it's, it's it's one of those. Um, and that's yeah, very similar. You know, you build you build your deck as uh, from by, by buying from the market. Um, and it's sort of a really satisfying because the thing is that feels like Magic the Gathering in lots of ways. Just because yes. you are you're playing things out, you tap a card to attack or do a thing. Um, I believe Hero thing. Realms is the one that you're thinking of. It's Hero the Realms one that also has you can get like certain decks and things as well. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So Hero um, Realms is the, the fantasy one that they did with custom yeah. starting decks. There we go. That's it. Um, and it's, it's just lovely. I absolutely agree with that. And yes, it does have that good um, back and forth in it, um, in the same way that yes, like, things like Magic do. And, yeah. You know. There's a lot of joy. I was going to include sort of. I feel like all the games on this list. I wanted it to be like chess in that it's complete. Like you're yes. you're never being asked to buy a booster pack for new mm-hmm. chess pieces because mm-hmm. now your bishop's obsolete and you need to get the new bishop that changes Ooh, up the game. Bishop's dropped. Yeah, exactly. This this bishop it does actually jump like three times sideways as so. well and performs kick flips and really like throws it onto your opponent. That's it. Yeah. Uh, Great. Ex- excellent choice. Thank you. Here's another excellent choice, which um, not dissimilar in the way. So if you like the idea of like push and pull gameplay, but don't like the randomness of uh, deck building, uh, the Unmatched series, mm-hmm. 
uh, of which I have played a lot of the in-gen one, and I'm eagerly looking forward to the next uh, Jurassic Park themed one they will be releasing. Uh, it's basically uh, pop culture um, bar fights, in that you take people, uh, different characters from fantasy, from properties, from all sorts of things, and battle one another with a custom deck and miniatures. Mm-hmm. And uh, again, this sort of veers away from chess's. Uh, not purity but the fact that chess is very open in that all the information is always available whereas when you then start bringing in card games it obviously becomes obfuscated through hand management and through like you don't know what cards are in their hand per se Uh, but the need to uh, really think about your movements and your planning and forward thinking um, is simplified here and in Mm -hmm. doing so makes it more accessible makes it more thrilling uh, especially when you can have cards that counteract the cards and mm. knowing when to play cards is just as important as where you're playing them or at what point you're playing them and the sheer variety that comes in this as well like you can pretty much buy whichever one you like the look of the most and have a fun time with it but find if a friend has a copy as well mm. just bring yours along and now suddenly your game is entirely different entirely changed and it, it helps keep the game like rejuvenated and revolutionized without it's, becoming like stacking it's kind of like the, the villainous effect in that way yeah very yeah, much so actually like, yeah the sort of mix and match element where you yeah. can sh- you can shake things up without needing to like literally reinvent the entire game like, yeah. you understand the same tool rules but without it completely throwing things up askew so, patchwork is uh, my next one uh speaking of forward planning and forward mm-hmm. thinking uh patchwork is a lovely two-player game where you're each trying to build a quilt um, seems very different from sort of the violence of warfare and chess things like that but in terms of strategic planning and forward thinking it really excels on that mm-hmm. so if you like the fact that chess rewards you from planning ahead and um, being able to respond to things uh, patchwork is a lovely little puzzle game where you're trying to build up this lovely quilt and you can't afford to have any empty spaces by the end so you're constantly having to look for the best piece out of a variety of options mm. knowing that whatever you then pick will affect what your uh, pieces your opponent has you have to be careful to not push too far ahead and give them too much options mm. whilst at the same time trying to look for yourself and your own forward thinking um, I just find it really delightful mm. it's also such a different theme as well the, one of the biggest things about chess um, as an image mm. uh, well, put it this way there is Chess Fest in London this year tickets are £20 it's free if you are under 25 years old <laughs> or if you're a woman there is no restriction god knows how they're managing and testing that but according to their website if you are a woman you can go there for free if you're under 25 you can go there for free chess has a bit of an image problem yeah so how does this, this is like queens go free yeah basically but this, it's a bizarre thing as well because like sorry any, this isn't because Queen, can oh, Queen's Gambit. I, I would love if that was the case. If that was, if because again, <laughs> Queen's Gambit. Now we're moving into Netflix recommendations. <laughs> um, very dripping drama. It's less about chess, though. The belts that are about chess are really interesting. Um, much more about um, like intellectualism and um, especially being a, a woman in the fields of like, hmm. uh, I am a woman who is a genius, and then what do I do with my life? It's a really dripping drama. Really interesting. <laughs> And I hope that it has led to more women picking up the hobby. I know that on Twitch, um, I think it's like you see that the player spread of that, and it's a much more diverse um, mm. spread of players. Uh, online activity has made it a lot easier, more accessible, as well as the whole thing where most chess clubs and things that you look at will be 
mainly male centric. Yeah. Not that they're catering to men, just those ones that are attracted to it, and it can become things like like how uh, tabletop miniatures games and things like that can become yeah. a male centric place, and they don't need to be. Uh, especially when you're talking about a game where for hundreds of years it was played by men and women of court because it's a game where you didn't have to be physical mm-hmm. you just had to be smart you just had to have time and patience and a lot of women of court had a lot of time to read mm-hmm. over the hundreds of years of <laughs> bourgeois living yeah. and most of the artwork and things you look at across history will show women playing chess or women and men playing chess yet for some reason it's become less and less of a thing now which is a shame mm-hmm. but for people who aren't interested in it, because chess is a war like themed game or strategy game, mm. alternatives like patchwork, where you're literally just trying to make a quilt, it seems completely on the other end of the spectrum, but rewards the same sort of creative thinking and forward planning. And I really love more mm. games to try that and to change um, the image of chess whilst keeping the heart of it and the core of it. Yeah. It's still going to be pretty brutal when it needs to be. 100%. I mean, yeah. Patchwork is a game where you can just completely screw yourself and then yeah. you're looking at your work and thinking, it's a wreck. I'm I'm ashamed. I've made half a quilt here. I'm, <laughs> I'm going <laughs> to die of exposure when the winter am, comes. This is one of my favourite little sort of sub-cloisters uh, of gaming, which is uh, the very relaxed, chill-looking game <laughs> that is actually um, like a knife fight. Um, anything where you think it's going to be, you know, like oh, uh, seven bridges, seven bridges, a roll and write, okay? <laughs> um, where you are, uh, it's dice drafting, so the other people can't have your dice. No, uh, <laughs> they're mine. So, I earned them. <laughs> absolutely, and you think, oh well, that's actually a really quite quite gentle, gentle, very common Euroe non fighty mechanic that's like the most friction you're going to get except right here it really matters because the the rules of the board of uh, seven bridges is about drawing your flaneur around um i beg your pardon uh flaneur i I try not to keep that out in public (laughs) (laughs) Uh, so flaneur is um the um, border layer thing of um basically going for a walk without purpose and letting the city and, and exploring the city it's like um uh, psychogeography and that sort of thing is sort of like the precursor to that of the idea that you can just go explore a city uh, or, or any any urban place um, and kind of have a free walk through it that is kind of an interesting adventure um, that's it it's basically I've certainly um, had a few of those in my time being well, an English student <laughs> and exploring a new town well that's it that's, that's literally yeah you literally do that as a student because um, unless you've got some urgent need for uh uh, you know, like food or sleep, food or sleep. You, you, where you know where you're going for those things, um, you're you're probably just like, I wonder what's over here, um, and you sort of go do that. Um, anyway, it's it's about mapping out your flair through. Um, uh, I completely forget the name of the city, uh, but there's seven bridges there. They're beautiful, apparently. Um, but the bloody game is. Would it, would it be Paris? No, it's no? Um, it's uh, somewhere Scandinavian, okay. um, or possibly. German, I'm not sure. I really shouldn't have started guessing. I'm trying to think. Um, <laughs> Amsterdam would be the other one where there was lots of bridges. Uh, it's not. It's, it's like uh, Kreuzberg or something like that. Um, I'm actually going to look it up now. So that I'm going to find I, time. Talk about my top... Uh, it just so happens I have a list of my top five bridges. <laughs> Lo- London Bridge yeah. may surprise you. It does not make it to the number one spot. <laughs> the last it... one will surprise you. Doctors hate it. <laughs> Doctors hate this bridge. <laughs> um... The number one bridge for anyone who is interested is, of course, the it's San Francisco. It's coined, 
Coinsburg. Seven Bridges is a roll and write dice drafting game in which players explore the historic city of Coinsburg. Which isn't a place. I don't know where. Um, it's not a place. It is a place. Oh, it is a place. Apologies. Um, but, uh, yeah, to the people of Coinsburg. Um, anyway. Um, Thank you for listening. Uh, yes. uh, well, you know, we're, we're quite big in Croatia at the moment. Oh, really? Yeah, that's right. Um, that's, that's, on the podcast chance. Um, that's our next typical convention. Confirmed. You hear it here it. first. Yeah. Um, Just send us your application. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> buy us a venue we'll, and flights. We will fly over yeah. to Croatia. I'm not sure we will. I don't know that's fair next yeah. next year 2022 tabletop Croatia um, we would love to come um, please find a convention to invite us to there's um anyway that, but that game is just an absolute uh, I've never like been so angry at someone for taking what I needed because <laughs> there's certain sets of rules about like how far you can move where you have to stop um, and then also things like when you pass like a monument when you basically when you go sightseeing right. um, you, that gives you like a tick to put in like a special power box that gives you extra extra I've unlocked the power of self-reflection well it's like I've unlocked the power of using these um, paths that go through um, parks oh I see I've unlocked secret passage parks I like this yeah it's, it's quite I'm good because one, one of the scoring mechanisms is how many trees you've seen oh of so. course <laughs> <laughs> but like, uh, but watching you really are selling this to me. Genuinely <laughs> it's, selling this to me. It's so it's so good. I really I really really enjoyed it. And but it was so it was such a fight. Yeah. For a game that really should just be a chill. Like it's ordinance survey colours. You know, it's not it's not even like a vicious looking game. You know. I mean, if we're talking about most deceitful looking board games, <laughs> Root will forever I mean, win the game of being the most cutesy, cuddly animal looking yeah. game. You try and sit down and play that. It's just military machinations and violence yeah. and bloodshed and betrayal and poor so, little hamsters getting massacred by thousands. Yes. Yeah, well they probably deserved it. Yeah. <laughs> That's definitely speaking as someone who's either lost <laughs> to the Woodland Alliance <laughs> or is just spiteful against them. Um, so we finished your list, didn't we? No, we haven't. We've got oh, to the last we got to the most important one because Speaking of aesthetics and speaking of games that reinvent chess, mm. we're going to talk to my currently my only must-have game of 2021, mm. um, which is the game we mentioned very early on at the beginning, and that is Thrive. Thrive. For those who have not seen this game, you should definitely look it up. Um, you should literally look at it because it has lovely components. It, it, has, it has gorgeous components. It's, um, so the game is designed by Martin uh, Dreider and is published by Adam's Apple Games. And fewer games take the idea of just okay we have this core gameplay how do we make it look the most beautiful we can and they've really captured that so it's a it's a very similar to chess you have six um sort of lotus tile like pads uh, lotus blocks uh, which you're playing pieces which are just very a very nice plastic i mean it's just a lovely like molded plastic there you have molded plastic pieces you've got lovely wooden pegs and you have this beautiful cloth mat that represents the the, uh, the lotus pond that you're floating your pieces around in. And the way the game works is each turn you can move a piece and then you can add two pegs to any of your pieces. And the pegs represent where you can then float your lotus uh, bottom to. So they all start off being able to move one space forward. But you can immediately then change that and go, okay, well, this one can also move diagonal three. Or it can move like to the side or it can do all sorts of things. So it's chess where you're literally like building the pieces as you rumble down this hill into <laughs> crashing into your opponent uh, with the object being uh, the first person who can get their opponent down to two pieces wins 
But for me, it's a game which I found immensely charming because it's chess with an even playing field. It's chess where you literally where you start out and your your moves are intentionally limited at the beginning. It's mm. literally you can move one piece and then place two pegs. And so you think, okay, it's simple, I can move this piece. And then suddenly you just drop into the abyss of potential where you can put these pegs anywhere. You'd be like, oh, I can make this one piece really powerful. Or I could slowly encrance my entire line so that everything is a little bit more like aggressive or I can do th- and there's so much potential mm. there where if you see your advantages you can be playing pegs and be like right now by placing these two pegs this piece now threatens two places and much like chess you're always forced to make a move in your turn so you can't just delay actions and if you've only been like over committed to one piece uh, then it gets captured those that potential is lost mm-hmm. so you've really got to consider like oh I could make this piece as powerful as queen but then if I lose it, I have an army of pawns that can do nothing but be beaten by this slowly encroaching mm. force. It's genuinely brain teasing. It's still like, I, it's a game I always want to get out and play, not because it just looks great, but just because it's a game that constantly I find interesting. Even just to have other people play it, I'll get it out and watch them play and they'll do things that I've never considered doing or mm. never want, like thought with that moment, why would you want to do that? It's mm-hmm. like, no, it's a great strategy. Phenomenally looking game, phenomenally great game, and also very affordable. So my recommendation for if you're just looking for, you want to get someone interested in playing chess, start with Thrive. <laughs> if they won't play chess, if they will play chess, great, fantastic, and there's so much stuff out there. But if you need to ease them into it, or maybe you're trying to um, persuade someone subconsciously that chess is the game they should play more mm-hmm. of, Thrive is a game for that for me is really really uh, taking a shine to. I just really appreciate how it distills chess even finer mm. to an even more like radicalized way of looking at it. There's there's something to say for a game that uh, continues to live in your head when yeah, you're, after you've um, after you've played it a few times and you sort of come back to it um, over and over again. There's there's um, the one I always think of when I bring this up is uh, uh, Paris. Uh, La Cité mm, de Lumière. Cité de Lumière, yes. Oh. <laughs> Another charming two-player game. Yeah, really, really good. Um, De Vere, I think, put that out. Um, lovely. And it's a game that I was kind of... I think I was kind of lukewarm on it at the time. That's fair. But I think a lot about it still. <laughs> it, it's, it, I love games that reward that sort of... that input, that, that desire to want to do more. Yeah. Again, it's part of what... what um, engaged me so much in chess in the first place is that it's a game that if you want to give your brain over to it and surrender over to it mm. it will reward you for doing that uh, much in the same way that Go is another game where you yeah. can spend all of your life trying to become a master at it and it will continue to surprise you and continue to reward you so yeah there's something to be said about gaming on a budget and just having a few choice yes. games and chess like I say is cheap at the starting price of free provided you have internet or have someone who owns the chess set which I'm pretty sure you could go to any charity shop in the world and you'll yes. pick one up for 50p no worries yeah that's fine um, cool so that's your, that's your list uh, I think Thrive sits at the top of that list 100% quite, quite, yeah, quite easily I would say if, if, you, if you've still got time I think we could maybe spend a few minutes talking about what you've been playing recently what's, what's, what's been uh, what's been tingling your taste buds of gaming while I do love dueling games I do love chess and those sorts of games as well they are limiting in when you want to have more people over and now that Mm. things are opening up again I have a desire an urgent desire to see people in person to make sure they've not just been a hallucination in my head 
yeah. since lockdown. And one of those games that I've been having since lockdown uh, was Pandemic Legacy. Nice. And finally being able to finally being able to open it, having literally years ago now tearing through season one, season two, being enthralled by it. I even re- really enjoyed season two. Some people were a bit mm, on it, but for me it was it's still provided an enchanting game. But Legacy Season Zero, um Rob uh, Matt Leacock and Rob Davio have kind of blown it out of the water mm-hmm. by actually reinventing the base game of Pandemic. And having so much variety and so much charm to it, you're you're all um, working for the CIA. It's Cold War era espionage, and it feels manic and stressful every game, even if you're doing well. But they've done slight little tweaks where they've just changed how the pacing works. They've changed how it interacts. There's this debrief book, so every mm. month you're playing out, it feels like a choose your own adventure because your actions having immediate consequences mm. on the board. Uh, more than just like a few stickers and a few like countdown stuff. No, you're actually making direct impact and mm. making the game the harder. Well, constantly making the game harder for yourself, but in ways that uh, gets released by new uh, options or new playabilities and new possibilities. So I'm really really charmed with that. I'm currently up to May, playing that with my uh, my partner and my uh, friend who we've played through all the other ones together, mm. and still haven't actually gotten rid of those boxes yet. I kind of want to. Well, like once this is done, I kind of want to make like a, a art triptych of, of the games, <laughs> so that they're constantly there as a reminder. Because it's a lie saying you can replay them again afterwards. Yeah. You really can't, but you don't need to either. Yeah. You inject Harvard in a whole story. If you have not played a legacy game, I can't recommend these highly enough. Mm-hmm. Um, though pretty much any of them out there will reward you in some way, especially if you find one that you really love the theme of. It's just completely enchanting. Yeah, fabulous. Uh, I'm really looking forward to uh, finally getting my hands on it because I've still not got hold of a copy. Um, but that's but that's okay. That's okay because um, there, there's time. There is time. Uh, that's the thing now. Like even it's been what three or four years, if not longer, that Pandemic Legacy Season One still mm. been out. I would still highly recommend that. Yeah, easily because yeah. it's so charming. Two is probably the only one I wouldn't recommend out of the blue because it is designed as a sequel in mind. Mm. But you could play that if some of you have got familiarity with Pandemic and then you want to jump into that. You could and have a great time with it still. But I do love that Season Zero does make it, just draws it back a little bit more to its yeah. original roots in a way that makes it a little bit more accessible and makes the narrative as well a lot more easier to engage with because it only makes passing reference to future plot points. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's been my main like board game drive at the moment. Yeah. And then outside of that, I've been uh, role-playing uh, with a system called Lancer. Yeah, very good. Which is, Tell us about Lancer. Lancer is uh, made by Massive Press um, and uh, designed by Miguel Lopez and Tom Patterson Morgan. Uh, Parkinson Morgan, I apologise. And it's it's a... I'm never terrible with names. It's amazing I got Lancer right, I'll be honest with you. <laughs> um, it's what's called a Mud and Lasers RPG. Mud and Lasers. Mud and okay, lasers. I'm sold. Right. We're in the grim darkness of the future, except yeah. it's not that grim. It's actually really vibrant and really colourful. Cool. Um, I think it's one of the best-looking RPG mm. books I've ever had, just yeah. in terms of succinct layout and design everything. It looks gorgeous. And it's a game which takes... If you think of Dungeons & Dragons as like the art typical example of, mm. of RPG games where you have like narrative adventures, then you go exploring in a dungeon, and it's a little bit of both. Mm. Um, Lancer kind of is the higher extremes on the role playing side and of the uh, like the war gaming side. Ah, it's one of these. So you have 
your RPG sessions, you are a lancer who is like a renowned pilot uh, who have uh, these custom mechs. Mm-hmm. And it is fully customizable, but each person has their own mech, which they equip mm-hmm. um, various weapons to. Um, they can get licenses, so they can get new upgrades and things. There's um, a system in the game where money is important for role-playing purposes, okay. but you're never limited to it when you're building your mech. You always have full options and full accessibility. Yep. Or anything. The idea is this is a post-scarcity future where you can 3D print mm-hmm. a mech um, overnight and get it built and ready, so you can customly create and are encouraged to custom create. Because I'm tired. <laughs> Sorry, projects. <clears throat> You can custom create your own mech based on um, 29 different patterns. Godness knows how much different weaponry mm. and options and make really different um, stylized choices. And it comes into this sort of tactical miniatures game where the uh, the games master fields their own army and then against the players who each have their own just sort of insane mech that they'll build combos and engines yeah. with and synergy systems. And it's- I'm, I immediately need to ask, have you, have you got minis? Of, I don't have minis. Mate. We've been playing it off through Roll Twenty. Okay, cool. So we've been using there is um, like there's custom artwork and things online for those. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just easier for me as well because it's a hex based miniatures game. Mm-hmm. So getting maps up and getting things up has been a lot easier online yeah. than it has been in person. Um, but it's a that's game, the next step. Right? That's, well, we're we're reaching the late stages of this one. We don't know if we're going to go back to D and D or pursue this mm-hmm. further. Yeah. Uh, mainly because outside of the really tactical miniatures gaming side where you're really having to think out, play out your actions and think of it more of a war game than as a, uh, like just an RPG game. Um, when it comes to role-playing, you're given much more freedom and liberty to do things. Mm. It's always, uh, whenever you make a test in the game, it's you roll a d20 mm. and a 10 or higher passes. Great. No, mod- I'm, I'm a fan of that. <laughs> and you have modifiers, like small modifiers based on stats or based on characters' background. Mm. And things like advantage or um, difficulty, uh, accuracy and difficulty. Mm-hmm. Um, but the game always lets you the option of if you fail a roll, you can push it. Mm-hmm. And it might cost you something. So it may cost you time, or you might be injured, or you might be that, but you'll still accomplish it if you can make another roll. Mm-hmm. And it really brings this idea to life of that you aren't, you're not just like all talk. It's like an RPG where you're trying to climb up a ladder and then you roll a dice, it's a one, and suddenly this expert climber just falls off a ladder and hurts himself mm-hmm. in Lancer you're always capable of what you want to do it's just what are you willing to sacrifice or what is your character willing to go through or to uh, and, like, achieve it or undergo it and that's just a fascinating play space to be in and just being able to really go to your players what do you do mm-hmm. and they can do anything they want in that regard there and the game shifts through that and the game it's, it's a game where constant back and forth between player and games master mm-hmm. much more so than the limitations that sort of D&D leaves in it, it has its very archaic structure in behind whereas Lancer feels new it feels fresh mm-hmm. so what and this is maybe a stupid question because you've said the word mech a few times yeah mechanised yeah but my question is, is is not what they are but um, how big what scale are we talking about here they vary in scales. There are ones with like human-sized suits, um, mm. two others which are like um, twenty to thirty-foot monstrosities that you yeah, have. Yeah, there we go. And with big shields or big so laser cannons. Is, is this like extremely animation? It's a little bit anime, <laughs> but it it really. So they've um, the game itself is like they have four factions, and each of these four factions has like different. So there's like the Smith Shimano Corpo are what you think of when you think of like 
your anime style yeah. flying through the air with the greatest of these sort of big mechs and like your, your Gundam sort of style ones but then you also have stuff like Blackstar mm. which is just uh, all the, uh, IPSM where there's just big mechs and they're just big bruising buggers who will smash the crap out of someone and it's just every single genre where ever giant mm. robot has ever fought a thing or giant robots have fought each other they've incorporated into this world in some way and the fact you can pick and choose as well so you'll be like I really like the idea of a big mech but also could it have like rocket boots yes it can could it also have this just of course it can and having that wide freedom it's insane it's so generous it's so giving and it really opens itself up to players building these insanely like compiled together cobbled together mechs and then giving the the games master the freedom to go like yeah you go hard on them you provide them like a big strategy or something because they will find a way to overcome it yeah that sounds great. That sounds great. I, I may, really good. in fact, actually try it. Yeah. I'm happy to play. I'll bring it over sometime. Because yes. again, one book RPG, so it's everything's there, everything's ready. Yeah. It really plays digitally as well because they've been creating um, companion apps for it. Mm-hmm. So for your character sheets, you can have it on a phone, mm-hmm. which also means you can modify and adjust your mech on the fly between character sessions without having to write out a whole new character yeah, sheet absolutely. every time. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and that's how they would do it in, in Lancer. Is mm. that they'd bring up um, a floating sort of display yeah, panel. Yeah, display basically. and then put it in your 3D yeah. printer and you're Absolutely. on your way. Yeah, or maybe use the power of their mind. Potentially. Through, through some sort of, I don't know, <laughs> so mag- magneto yeah. uh, or Cerebro thing. Um, cool. Uh, that, so is, there, is there anything else that you'd like to um, give the, a little, spread a bit of um, paradise with? Botanic. Oh, yeah. uh, is my the other game of the moment this the one I've been enjoying the most out of this mm-hmm. um, like Molly crew I won't mention the other games for the for the time being um, but Botanic is a uh, two player pipe dream mm-hmm. uh, so it's by Space Cowboys and um, well published by Space Cowboys and you're competing bo- uh, mecha biologists um, so each turn you're grabbing uh, like pipe dream style pieces mm. to try and cobble together these machines and you want ideally you want coloured tiles next to each other and any tiles with flowers on you want them to have connected to the same coloured matching thing mm-hmm. but you don't need to have coloured tiles along the same pipeline you can just have them adjacent mm-hmm. as long as they're as long as they're close to one another then they still score for points and things and you can't just take the tiles immediately. You have to put them onto like an assembly line mm-hmm. where they become available and they only come off the line if they no longer match with any of the ones in the middle. Mm-hmm. So you're constantly trying to set yourself up whilst also blocking your opponent or forcing them to place pieces they were trying to save for later. Yep. You can just sort of just be like, uh, no, you place that now and just completely throw off their plans by blocking them or making them having to... like quickly uh, scrabble together to try mm-hmm. and create this weird pipe monstrosity yeah. but and is it good because it, it's, it's really cute it's really enjoyable um, uh, we have Gregoire Rargue uh, Frank Clitton and Sebastian Ponchon oh yeah um, who those have, guys they work together all the time yeah and it's really shows here it's a game which looks beautiful looks abstract and absurdist which is what you want from an abstract absurdist yes. puzzle game <laughs> uh, it's a game which will have you swearing at one another but also swearing at yourself because you can never you're never sort of forced to place a piece you didn't pick in the first place so you're always being like well I kind of made this um, cross for myself in terms mm-hmm. of like I, I chose to do these <laughs> options and now I've got to live with the choices <laughs> so it's, it's a really charming game there. there's enough 
um, randomness so that you're never going to see exactly the same game, but you can sort of develop a strategic style to it. Um, not necessarily. Maybe I must. We'll look. We'll look at, I'm going to give it a few more plays through. I want to see it more with mm-hmm. more people before I give it a final verdict. Mm-hmm. But right now, I've been really happy playing this. It's just as a, a do- enjoyable little light mm-hmm. um, strategy game. It's a bit cathartic, a bit enjoyable. And again, at the end as well, you're left with just this lovely like pipe monstrosity. Mm-hmm. It's very sort of galaxy trucker in that. Look at what I've created. Mm-hmm. And then you can either be like, it's wonderful, or it's a wreck. And <laughs> <laughs> realize it was all on you who did it in the first place. So. That sounds great. Yeah, you've sold it to me. Yeah. Uh, I wasn't. I wasn't super hot on this. I didn't know. I didn't. It's not one that jumped out to me when I That's signed fair. it. It does look. It looks weird as well, which which will um, will make it bizarre to some people, just because of the yeah. way you don't necessarily know how it looks. But then when you actually start playing it, it makes a lot more sense in yeah. motion, which I appreciate a lot. Yeah. How about uh, yourself? What have you been playing recently? Oh my word! What have I been playing? <laughs> so I've um, the game. Okay, so the game. I've been playing the most, I mean, and the game that I've been playing instead of games that I need to review <laughs> um, is a uh, is right next to you there. It's a game called Oh My Goods. Oh My Goods. Okay, this is the one uh, you which said. Is like, we must play this. Well, I've just said like we. There's, just, there's a couple of things I need to have a look at. So I've got the very, very good because I've played it um, online before. Um, Vampire the Masquerade Rivals, mm-hmm. which uh, maybe maybe we can have a game of that later, um, which I've got reviewed in this. Um, uh, in this issue, um, uh, but I did say, "Hey, we could just play Oh My Goods because that's all. We, that's all, <laughs> because that's all he wants to play." And I, I'm increasingly coming to the point where I'm thinking it might be perfect. <laughs> <laughs> so sell it to us because I'm looking at this um, game at so, the minute. And it's, it looks sort of medieval aesthetic, but so it I is. Want to know a, more. Um, it, okay, so you are uh, going to create a tableau. And you're going to take goods okay. from the market and put them into your tableau um, and then add value to them right. by um, creating chains of production. Okay. okay. So pretty standard stuff, right? Yeah, it, it does sound yeah. like uh, it's rattling off a few games in my mind. You, you know who you are. You so you are. where's the spice? So the spice is the central and completely brain-melting um, central mechanic, which is that... Um, uh, there's, there's 112 cards or something okay. in that in that box, um, and uh, when they're face up mm-hmm. in your tableau or in your hand, um, they are they represent merely the thing that they are, which is um, a good, a, a good or a, a good and a building, right? And the production chain for the initial production chain, and then also a secondary production chain. Um, right. which is, which is uh, and that makes it sound complicated it's not it's exactly the kind of thing you, you see in many many euros but when they're face down because this is the way you know if a good is in a building or not face down across the building that's worth the amount of coins of that good right except so when you then later run your um, you've, you've run your leather shop or whatever right um uh, or your tailors, yeah. But you and you already had you had an abattoir, and you also have um, a uh, leather workers. Um, you can then take your leather from which is worth two gold, where it is, whatever. Mm-hmm. And then because you've run because you've run your tailors, you can use that production chain. You can move all of those face down cards. Just slide them onto the next onto the one, and now they're all worth four. So the way you're adding value is, is like. Literally, the magic magic of like 
value adding in any real like um, commodification sort commodification of yeah. thing. So it, it we, sounds very much like it's reminding me of the villagers mixed with Race for the Galaxy. Yeah, basically, where yeah, ca- yeah, cards are your yeah. resource and. But the the joyous thing is obviously that you are so then to so you want, if I want to spend three gold, yeah, I can take one of those now worth three gold tailor cards from right. there and spend that. So you don't actually have money inside. It's the whole no. game is in cards. So it's it's all good. Oh god! And then also you've got to think. Oh the, the, other, the other joyous thing that's happening um, is that because your goods are face down cards, which are also buildings and resource types, you're changing the deck in in a sort of kind of like a backwards deck builder way, <laughs> where the deck is shared just, between everyone. And you're just denying your friends. If you like, someone's like building a thriving fishing industry, you're just yeah. burying fish under this board so that it's like kind, kind of do it yeah. You don't necessarily know that right when you're doing it as well. So that's why like it's, that's, there's probably some randomness or something in there that people don't like. But it's what I like about it is the fact that it's so complete in its its use of those um, product cards and those chains. Um, also plays very well solo. Also, gets, <laughs> you get it done in 30 minutes or something like that, at most, um, with like your first game uh, and stuff like that. See, I was kind of, when I was like, okay, is it going to be vampires or the, <laughs> the good building game? I was like, I kind of think it's vampires, but yeah. now I think it might be good. Well, I don't know. I think we, we, uh, we can we can, uh, we can battle this. We can have a game of Oh My Goods to decide which one to play. Um, <laughs> I <laughs> love the idea of just, we don't know what game to play. Let's play a game to decide the game. Yeah, so. That's Perfect. Yeah. For, uh, for the for those listening in as well, there is a large stack of board games that uh, Chris also showed me earlier his, his board game collection. Yes. Of this, of this wonderful collection of like lots of little games, then lots of insanely massive games, and there's no real middle ground. It's just no go big or go small. Yes, go big or go small at the moment for me. Um, it's because a lot of those little boxes pack in so much for me, like Omegoods, which is the size of two normal playing card decks, basically. I can't, I'm really strict about what games I bring into my collection because I know if I just had less restraint, mm. my entire house would be board games. Yeah. Um, but micro games I really have a problem with because they're just I can just keep stacking more and more and more of them I know I never play them all yeah. but I got them all and they take so, up as much room as one big we're about, we're about to deviate wildly here and run over horrendously but um, uh, so I can edit I this have, in post I have um, <laughs> I have it's basically this, I have a legacy problem mm-hmm. and I don't, and, and, not in the way you think not in the way you think so um, uh, have, uh, you know, it my, is the way my, you think well it's my um uh, so my daughter is uh, 16 months old and I'm I'm got games on the shelf and I'm like she'll like this when she's 18 <laughs> that's that's the long game long game I thought you were talking <laughs> that's, about that's, that's my <laughs> legacy problem <laughs> you're, you're less thinking what legacy game I'm going to play what, what, what am I going to pass down onto well that's and this is why I'm so <laughs> so looking forward to when my copy of both arrives because if I can keep the same copy <laughs> yeah. both running for 40 years, assuming I live that long, 100%. Um, then that'll just be absolutely joyous. It's literally a game you can pass on to your children and they will play it and then they will pass on to their children. Yeah, like, theoretically, yeah, that's the, yeah. Um, that's the idea. That's what, I mean, that's my idea anyway. Um, so there's that sort of game. Then there's um, games I need to play with my brother, which are basically the chess games. Fair. We're talking about which um, some of them live with him now because it's just it's just more sensible. Um, the best then, way to deal with a board game collection is to give some of it give away. some of it away, yeah. and then they will build a board game collection, and you can play through them. Yeah. It's the um, perfect crime. And then there's yeah, like crazy heavy stuff. There's you know Beyond the Sun, 
something like that, um, which I really, really like, which is for just like, where well, my really smart friends are here. Um, <laughs> just want to really show off. Things like Dun- Gloomhaven, Dungeon Degenerates, uh, Tainted Grail, stuff like that. King's this. Dilemma was another one I saw. King's Dilemma, yeah, yeah. Um, things that I want to, I need to, I need to give more justice to. They're like my copy. Some of them. It's, like, it's your treat. It's once you once you've played through what you need for for the month. I can. I th- you can now sort of get a few friends over, get a bottle of wine out, and just. Yeah, we're going to have a Dungeon Degenerates night. Yeah. Um, we're going to start the campaign. Just be degenerates um, in dungeons. Yes, it. Yeah, we haven't actually done that. I've I've actually only played that with uh, two people. Uh, that person me my partner, and then also solo. Um, and it's, it's really good. It's so it's so good. Um, yes, I would. I may have given it a must play had I been the one reviewing it. But, um, I've but. I've got at home uh, Millennium Blades. Millennium Blades, which is which is my. It's 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 almost my like perfect vice board game in terms right. of it ticks off so many of my boxes so it's a trading card game mm-hmm. board game okay the idea okay. being that you don't <laughs> you're playing an entire trading card game <laughs> in one sitting so mm-hmm. you from the pre-release learning how your deck works and learning how the game works to then a real-time buying and trading cards mm-hmm. you get victory points for building up a collection binder of cards and also a competitive tournament deck and you come it comes with so many different expansions so every time you play you can mix match different things so be like mm. oh maybe this time we'll have the Mario Brothers one mixed in with the Final Fantasy and the James Bond oh style God. expansions and the game just becomes this insane puzzle of trying to cobble together the deck that works with it and because everything's against the clock as well you have this frantic rush to try and build something in time for the tournament and is, then, it, is it a satire basically it's a little bit of everything yeah it's, it's kind <laughs> of it's a satire and a love letter yeah. to Often they are, aren't they? Yeah, like a lot of a lot of more like um, trading card game animes, sort of things like right, Yu-Gi-Oh! Okay. It's very sort of Yu-Gi-Oh! inspired by the way that characters yeah. work and the way things happen. There is an expansion which adds co-op mode where you play mm. against a uh, a deck-driven opponent, like a uh, like a, a non-human controlled opponent, mm. which I may need in my life yeah. because uh, it's just a puzzle that never ends. And what is the name of this game? Uh, this is Millennium Blades. The last expansion is coming out this year, and I'm very looking forward to it. Yeah. And I don't have room in my house for it as well, which is my other biggest yes. shame. Yes. Um, well, with that, with that absolute um, avalanche of <laughs> yeah, sorry. games we didn't mean to talk about, but suddenly are. Um, uh, I think I think that's us done for this podcast. Um, so uh, you yeah, uh, like and subscribe. Find us on Twitter. Find us on YouTube. Charlie is doing many videos. They are all. Uh, funny they're really <laughs> charming it's been really nice to see and stuff like I, I saw the um the art the uh, art of d6 like how does it tell you a tabletop yes. one, which was, I was like I wrote this one and yeah. now Charlie's making it look really professional and I feel proud it's like ah <laughs> it's um no uh, Charlie's doing great work on this I've, mm-hmm. I've tab- tabletop uh, mag on YouTube um and uh buy the magazine Please. It's, it's good it's and it's you know buy it for your friends give to them as gifts it's a wonderful gift it's, it's a, a subscription gift. to Temple Top Gaming Magazine um, it's yeah. the gift that literally keeps on giving because it gives you free gifts each month as well uh, most of the time yeah. Most well yeah, <laughs> yeah. we're actually uh, being watched over by a uh, uh, Cygol 
Um, oh, from... I see. I thought you were referring to something other than the the wonderful little King of Tokyo miniature. I thought you were like, a shadowy corporation is watching what gifts we can and cannot include in our magazines. Uh, yes, they are. Yeah, they are. Absolutely. <laughs> no, they're, they're not at all. We, we have some, and we have some really lovely stuff lined up, actually. So now's a really good time to get hold of it. And all of you people who emailed me to see if they could get a copy of the Micro Macro um, uh, expand, expansion, a, a little like mini expansion, extra cases. Um, after it was announced for the Spiel Jar, you should have been subscribed. Shouldn't you should you? have been subscribed. You've been yeah. ready for it. Yeah. We're on the cutting edge of board gaming <laughs> news and supplies here. Um, it turned out we were. We are. I didn't back that one as hard as I thought, um, <laughs> as, as I should have maybe to be. be what are you talking right. about? You, you always knew it was going to be good. Well, <laughs> um, I reviewed. I sort of gave it a sort of um, warm yeah. review, but not not hot. Um, and I think um, I don't think it should win. Wow! Just just call it out on the podcast, why don't um, you? Yeah, I am. Just yeah. shots fired. Yeah, yeah. Who, I mean, Arnak should win Kenneth Spiel. Um Yeah. It's a, it's Isn't a, Robin Hood up for one of them as well? There. Yeah, Robin Hood's up for family, so I think that should win. I think that, that that's, should, I think that should win the family because it's one. just uh, it's Mark Menzel. We love Mark Menzel, and. Um, and it just looks really, really smart. This is now uh, gone to a <laughs> Spiel DRS recommendation. Yeah, I know. We're running off now. Um, <laughs> we'd have to have the, uh, the Kinder because the um, Dragonimo already won. So, oh, okay. So Fair King, enough. King Domino won again. Ford won so, <laughs> um, <laughs> so there we are. Um, uh, but yes, uh, Arnak should definitely win. And so should, uh, so should Robin Hood, um, in my humble opinion. <laughs> And with that, um, we'll say goodbye. Uh, I've been Chris. I've been Matthew. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Take care.